This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's interview is part two of a session started with Dr. Jen Bruce. Dr. Jim Bruce works with our math department here at Clayton Bradley Academy, has been with us really from the very beginning and on staff since year two. At this time, we rejoin the podcast with Dr. Jim Bruce. And I think you guys do a really great job uh, of looking at how does this, how do these concepts actually interact in the real world? And, and I know you've created some really fun projects with that. Early on, you know, we looked at we were, we were always trying to integrate. We're always trying to build these projects. And, and we did a lot of projects that weren't bad projects, but were not really accomplishing what we wanted them to accomplish because mm-hmm. it's hard to bring some of that real world in and integrate something that they're doing in biology, something that they're doing in English, something that they're doing in math all at the same time. And so we had to kind of evaluate that model at the high school and say, there are times that this fits mm-hmm. and there are times that these subjects go together. And then there's other times that this doesn't really fit with something they're doing in science, but it does fit with something that happens out here in the real world. And so you're looking for those connections. What are some of those kind of projects that, that you would reflect on in the past nine years that you Mm -hmm. go, man, this was like a, this was a really cool project or this was a way that kids really kind of grasped that outside world Mm -hmm. idea. Um, so I, there's plenty of, of examples and and also plenty of you know projects that we've tried and said that eh, didn't really you know do what we wanted it to do and and so I think that's important for our students to know for our you know for for everyone to realize is that you know we're we're trying new stuff all the time right yeah. and I think that's maybe one of the things that doesn't translate to if you're not an educator to especially not an educator here to realize that it's not like we just invent something and then we use it for the next nine years right um I, I probably have a handful of projects that I've said this is exactly the right thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna use this a lot, um, and probably five or ten times as many that I tried out maybe one or two <laughs> years and said this isn't really accomplishing what I want. But some of the ones that have really you know stuck. Um, there's a great project that we do in integrated math three, and so that's sophomores and juniors for us. Um, and it's, it's our unit on inverse functions. And, and inverse functions are essentially learning about how you can take a process and reverse it. Okay. okay? And so um, we do a neat project on uh, code making and code breaking. Because essentially that's what happens, right? When you yeah. put something into, into some sort of code, someone has to undo that to decipher what it, what it is that you've done. So they learn about something called affine ciphers, which um, use a particular kind of function to encode information. Um, the students all get to choose some sort of written piece of work. It could be song lyrics or a poem or a piece of their favorite book or something. Um, and then they encode it and it is randomly given to some other student in the class. And the other student in the class has no idea who it came from or what the source is. It's just oh, wow. this encoded information. Um, and then we learn how to develop a function that decodes that information. Um, and so they're all doing each other's um, encoding and decoding, and they love that, and they get so excited when they figure out what somebody's you know stuff is. And, and they have fun getting to choose something that's meaningful to them to encode. Yeah. Um, and then they, they do some presentations about how they 
you know, encoded and decoded the information. So I love, I love that project. That one's, they really tend to enjoy that. And, one. you know, coming from a person that my family really loves, like the breakout rooms and escape rooms, that's exactly what yeah. you're doing. Now we're not <laughs> exactly. thinking about using yes. math while we're in there, but, <laughs> but, uh, you are. but yeah. we are trying to yeah. break somebody's code, yeah. you know, that they've developed or somebody's system mm-hmm. uh, and figure out like what would, yeah. You know what is the what's the thing they're actually trying to say here, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I know that I've even walked in your room uh, during a, uh, I guess it was a gambling day. I don't oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, statistics. That's what it's all about, right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, last so that was last year in our um, project-based statistics class. Um, we were covering our probability unit. That tends to be a really abstract concept for students to really yeah. grasp what it, what does probability mean and how do you calculate the probability of, of something occurring and so um, each group had to develop their own game um, that they had to determine what people could win based on certain outcomes and so obviously if you're designing a good game if you're you know a casino for example you better design a game where you're gonna win most right, of the, the house time. wins the right. house should win but the house should only win by a little bit every time right or else no one would ever play that game. right and so you know there's actually a very um, specific mathematical way that they should they determine you know well if if this happens in the game this is how much you should win and that's calculated specifically so that the house earns a teeny bit on average um, so that over the long haul, when lots of people play that game many, many times, the house will come out on top. And that doesn't mean an individual might not win a lot right. in one particular game, but over the long haul, that that doesn't yeah. occur. And so for the students to really kind of grasp that and like, oh, okay, so it's okay if somebody wins once in a while, um, but I've got to figure out right how likely is this outcome to occur and so they had a lot of fun with that and they you know had dice and coins and colored beads and cups and and all sorts of things and and like we're combining some of those into multiple games and then they invited classmates in to play those and we played them all with fake you know paper money and they had a blast with that so Uh, I feel like I was in there when somebody uh, won one that (laughs) the probability of them winning was very very low yes and somehow they they won, yes. you know, and so then there was also that reality for the person that made the game of, do I have actually enough to, to pay out yes. the, the winnings? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the house, I don't think, had won enough uh, uh-huh. to, to cover. <laughs> well, there's that long haul that is That's more right. than just the hour we played the game. So, yeah. so I thought it was great. And, and like I said, it's just, it was a lot of excitement. I, when you walk into a math class and you see kids that are up and moving around and excited and interacting with each other and and when you really you know when I go around and I'm talking to them about what are they doing and 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 I'm really getting at like not just oh what game are you playing but they're telling me like how this works and what the probability is they're getting it you know and, and they're understanding it at a level that I never understood uh, statistics when I was in a statistics class you know and that's what I love about what I see in our math classes here is mm-hmm. this idea that they're really understanding mathematical concepts and it's not just memorization. And well, and I think that brings up a really important point. Um, so we uh, have a new teacher in the high school this year um, in Mr. Lowry. And um, so it's been really fun collaborating with him and kind of bringing him through that process really quickly <laughs> that yeah. I went through over the, my first few years here and like why do we do what we do and, and how do we do it and um, and he's been so excited to, to jump in and join that but one of the interesting discussions that we've had is this um, realization that um, sometimes our students don't have that 
um, rote memorization of formulas and skills that you might see for another student, say, transferring into our high school. Yeah. Right? And, and I see that frequently. I have a student that transfers in, and boy, can they, you know, do math, you know, use a formula 10 times more quickly maybe than some of our students. And then if you ask them why you'd use that formula or when you'd use that formula or, you know, how, how was that formula developed, where does it come from, there's no understanding mm. of that whatsoever. And so there's this trade-off, I think, that we make where yeah. we say – we think that conceptual understanding is so much more important than how fast you can do something or how much you can memorize. Um, because in the grand scheme of things, if you're going to be someone who uses not just mathematics, but problem solving in your everyday career, it's not going to be somebody saying, okay, what do you have memorized that you can use to solve that Correct. problem? Or how fast can you do it? It's, do you have the creativity and the um, the ability to make connections between different fields or to think of an unusual approach to something. And I think that's the thing that we do really well is build those kinds of skills and this comfort level of approaching a problem and saying, I don't necessarily know how to solve this from the beginning, right? A lot of students who come in with that rote memorization skill, if they run into a problem that's a little bit different, freeze and don't yeah. have any idea right because I know how to do this set of 30 problems because they're all alike and you told me use this formula and practice it 30 times and do it with these problems yep. and then I give you something different and I, and I don't know what to do right, right? and so I, I don't I, I think that that's why we make that trade-off and I'm not saying you know we don't we don't want our students to have some of those skills we do but that's not our emphasis right and so I really feel like this you know the way that we present concepts and that we encourage students to, to tackle these sort of nebulous problems builds that comfort level with not knowing and with realizing that they've got a really large toolbox to pull from. Absolutely. And that they shouldn't always say, oh, if you tell me which tool to pull out, I can solve it. They're like, okay, I've got this toolbox. I'm going to pull out whatever I feel might work. Yeah. And maybe it's going to be this thing that I try and it fails, but I've got other tools that I can use too. And I think that's been some of our conversation of, you know, I got through math and was very successful in math in high school and, and the college math that I had to, to take as well, really by memorization and, and plug and chug is what I call it of, mm -hmm. you know, I know which formula to use. I'm going to plug in what I think goes into which hole and, and then I'm going to solve for mm -hmm. what's missing. And I remember probably the first time in college that, that, that no longer worked well was chemistry. You know, I, I made it to a college chemistry class. I'm sitting here as a freshman, and, and this is a big, it's kind of a weed-out class for med school students at, at the university I was at, and I was pre-med at the time. And, and that was that realization of, like, I have to figure out, like, chemistry at that level was not just a, like, know some facts anymore. It's you've got to know these facts over here, and you've got to know this math over here, and you've got to know when these two things interact at the same time right. to come up with, with what's really going on. And that, that's like a, you, you've got to teach yourself how to rethink. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do the studies of these people that we would look at as, as great inventors and, and, you know, these great minds in, in, in a lot of different fields out there, maybe they were great CEOs or great, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever, a lot of times it's those simple concepts of they are able to take things that most people don't see connecting. Right and figure out a way for them to connect or to think differently about how the world works. And, and so I feel like that uh, what you guys are doing in the math department sets that up. The, the last thing just to touch on here, because I think a lot of, of people 
maybe listening would have said like either I don't like math or I'm not good at math because when they got into those higher abstract thought concepts, maybe they, they didn't understand how things went together. And so it just became a really cha- uh, challenging environment. And, and as you get out of high school, if that was a challenge, you just you don't go into something that, <laughs> that uses that kind of math. Then. Um, and so one of the things we talk about with our model is this idea of absence of threat. Of we want kids to come in and not be in an environment where they're kind of in that fight, flight, or freeze but that they're in a, an environment that they can critically think, that they mm-hmm. can problem solve, those concepts that you were talking about. So how do we help a kid here at CBA do that? Because I think math is one of those, and, and I faced yeah. it some in science, but you know, a lot of science was still, I mean, if you could read and, and you could think through some ideas, you could, you could mm-hmm. accomplish what you're doing, but math is, is a little different. And, yeah. and the abstract thought at math goes really deep mm-hmm. um, in high school. You know, some of the science concepts that go abstract and go really deep, you know, you might hit those a little bit more in college, but um, in high school, it it really gets complex um, for a student that's progressing through that. So what are some things that that you guys do to try to help kids that when they're coming in, that that we're able to kind of get them in that thinking brain to be creative, to, Mm -hmm. to think critically, to problem solve, to really figure this out and and know that they're in a safe space to do that? I think we do a lot of things and I think I'm always looking for new ways to do that too. You know, obviously the relationship building is a huge part of it, right? You mentioned, you know, you had those college professors that were really great mathematicians. My guess is perhaps not the most approachable people in the world, right? Um, And so, you know, that's something I think we do a great job with from elementary through high school here is making sure that the teachers that we bring in are teachers that relate to students because if you've got a great relationship with a student they are a lot more willing to to try and fail and and you know be flexible and and, and do all of those things that, that we expect a student to do in any classroom especially yeah. in a math classroom um, but specifically to math um, I think standards-based grading is probably the perfect thing for a math classroom right and I know that uh, we've been able, especially at the high school level, to really um, attack and understand standards-based grading at, at a deeper level, I think, than than almost anywhere else because it fits so perfectly. Yeah. Right? That not only can we really clearly state this is what we need you to learn, right, because it relates to this other set of, of standards we need you yeah. to learn, but this idea of mastery is a process that takes time um, is a a wonderful way to remove threat from the mathematics classroom, Mm. right? It's not to say that I don't want students to to study for an assessment and and do well on it the first time, but to be able to go into an assessment saying, I've I've done my best to prepare for this, and maybe on this standard I feel really confident, and on this other question that involves another standard, I'm still a little shaky. There's not this paralyzing fear uh, in taking that test because they're like, okay, I, I know I can continue to work on this later. Mm. Um, and so I, I have plenty of students that w- might get back a, a, an assessment and have a great score on one or two standards and then a lower one on another one, and their immediate reaction is, okay, I'm going to come and reassess on that standard. I'm going to come and work with you on that. I'm going to figure out what I did wrong. I never see a student get back a quiz and throw it in the trash. Yeah. Right? And I mean, that happened at college all the time, Absolutely. right? Oh, that unit's done. Right. I bombed that test. It's going in the trash. 
here the students that they take it they I mean I I don't I can't count how many times I see students immediately get back a quiz and sit there and start to rework a problem that they did wrong mm. and so that to me is that absence of threat right I, I'm not I'm not scared about what grade I'm gonna get I don't get paralyzed with anxiety I, I, I just don't see students here get test anxiety like you see in lots of other places nice. because they realize okay I'm gonna do my best and I'm gonna show you what I know right now because that's what mastery is about here's right. where I am right now right. and if that's not where I want to be in the end I've got lots of ways I can get there yeah. right and so we offer extra help outside of class we've got uh, in the high school level, we've got these workshops on Tuesdays and Thursdays during the school day where they can just opt to come and work on some more problems. Um, we've got tutors, uh, other other students that tutor um, in math, but they've got this ability also that we're trying to build to take the initiative to learn material on their own. We've got students that are really good at knowing where to find their own resources. They don't wait for me to say, hey, you know, Here's these extra problems, go work on these. They know that there's tons of resources online and there's videos that they can watch. And so to see them take that sort of control of their own learning, um, what a great skill for them to take into college or into Absolutely. a career that if I don't know something, I know how to help myself learn it. Yeah. And so I think that's one of those things where, you know, how can you feel threatened by this material if A, you have a teacher that you've got this good relationship that you know wants you to, to reach mastery. Um, B, that you know if you need additional time more than some other student that you've got all the time that you need. And C, you've developed these skills to help yourself learn it in whatever way makes most sense to you. Right. So. And that's part of that bigger skill that we want kids to walk out of here with. Like right. when you graduate and you move on, whether that's moving into a military, moving into a four-year college, moving into a community college, moving into gap years or, or just life that, you know, whatever that student chooses to do because it is their choice to mm -hmm. what do they want to do with their life now. Uh, they've got that skill of I know how to – I know how to get the resources I need. I know right. how to figure this out. I know, yep. you know, and I'm not just relying on, well, there was 30 right. questions in the textbook and I did this right, or I, I looked in the back of the book for these answers. And that's that's a, a an amazing skill. Right. That, that's, that's taking control of your own learning. And I mean, that's exactly right. what we have said from the beginning that we wanted students to be able to do. Yeah. And, and I think we're, I think we're being very successful. Well, and we've used a lot of different words to describe that. And I think mm -hmm. one that we continue to come back to is, is that idea of, of life ready of, mm -hmm. you know, that we want to teach to a, a, a student that, that can help them prepare for whatever that next step is for them. And, and I think that our graduates would show that, that we're fairly successful at that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love this conversation and uh, I think we could, we could probably go on for a lot longer, but uh, <laughs> I just want to appreciate, you know, say thank you for sitting down for a couple minutes here, talking about math and reminiscing about some yes. fun, fun things as fun. we've grown together. And so thank you so much for spending time. Well, thanks for having me. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about the school, you can visit us on our webpage, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org, or you can find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope that you have a wonderful day.